Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. subscribe to our podcast you know it's all about how to get the most out of your partner and we're partners so we know all about it it's good get it wherever you want to get it when you go and get it from your podcast place richard and greta from the great big owl you know you know the following podcast is a member of the great big owl family this will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you like listening to? Um. <laughs> Chart music. <laughs> Chart music. Pop crazy youngsters, and welcome to the latest episode of Chart Music, the podcast that gets its hands right down the back of the settee on a random episode of Top of the Pops. I'm your host, Al Needham, and with me today are Simon Price Hello. and Neil Kulkarni. Hello there. Boys, what's pop? What's interesting? Tell me, tell me now. Hmm... Well, I mean, obviously, like the entire nation, I think, I was saddened by the news that um, Mark Shetland has been stopped being editor of Music Week. No. Um, yeah. Presumably to, to go away and be a disgraceful cunt to a different group of people. <laughs> so, you know, the Facebook algorithms actually suggested him as, a, as somebody I, I, know, I might know and that I should make friends with. Mm. Um, horrific, like getting his photo in the morning. No, I'm not going to make friends with him. So... That you know that was slightly pop, not that interesting. Another thing happened. Um, I, obviously, it's post Christmas now, and invariably, my dad' job was taking all the decorations up to the attic and getting them back up there. And um, something strange happened. I went up the attic, and um, you know, there's a lot of crap up there from my past and my childhood. To be honest oh. with you, because I, I lived here since I was 82. God, I wish I and, had an attic. Um, I was. Cu- I, I genuinely wasn't digging through anything. But um, as I was coming back down, something dislodged and fell down and landed on my head, actually. Um, right. <laughs> and it was a tape. It was a, it was a cassette tape. And I noticed, I crawled back up the ladder, and I noticed all of my tapes from when I was a teenager. I used to record stuff off the radio. I used to record tapes mm. for mates and stuff. They're still up there. I had no idea about Ooh. that. Um, the one that actually fell down and, and hit me on the head. Isaac Newton-like. <laughs> well, quite, Yeah. <laughs> Um, was actually kind of, I mean, you know, I'm waiting to bring them all down because my, my, my eldest is at home at the moment until she can go back to Manchester when her uni resumes. She's massively sort of Mary Poppins-ish and doesn't like clutter. Um, mm. And I want to add a load of clutter to the house by getting all these tapes down. Because there's a bag of videotapes up there as well. Ooh. And what the audio tape, tellingly, that actually fell on me 
um, was it was just the kind of index of what a sad bastard I was. Rather poignantly, I, I found one that I'd made for a girl. I remember making it. <gasps> Um, a girl I fancied at school, where I'd done... You know when you're filling out the tape inlays and stuff and sticking the yeah. stickers on? I'd done the entire track listing, right, using a four-coloured biro. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, showing the lunaticness of me um, back then and my complete inability to flirt, let alone chat anyone up. I'd, I'd like to not just each word in a different colour, but each fucking letter in a <laughs> no, different colour. Yeah, and it was... T- and it was... A- <laughs> It was a T-Rex compilation, right? I'd, I'd record a load of T-Rex stuff for Oh, it. my God. And I gave it her. The telling thing is, I still have it. Uh, yeah, how come? What's gone off there? Well, that's a sad thing. I think she gave it me back. <laughs> <laughs> it was a gift that she returned because I think oh, she just had oh, no. Jesus Christ, this bloke's fucking nuts. Also, you um, know what? Some of those T-Rex song titles are pretty long, like the the Perfumed Garden of Gulliver Smith or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to put a lot of letters in there. You're, yeah, you're changing colour a lot of times. <laughs> They're not all just like Jeepster or whatever. Did you write at the end... Put a little needle in your heart. <laughs> I should have done. I mean, thank God it was only a four-colour bio, not one of those 13-colour monsters. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a real kind of touching moment where I asked, Jesus Christ, no wonder I wasn't getting any. Oh, man. What was the first track on it? It was Metal Guru. Good call. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've done that kind of thing t- only twice in my life. Mm. Practically the same track listing. But the, the same track was first because I, I always felt that the first one's the most important one. Mm. You know, because that's like the national anthem of you. Yeah. Mine was always what you see is what you get by the dramatics. <laughs> Which sums up me, you know. Yeah. Some people are made of plastic. Some people are made of wood. Some people have hearts of stone. Some people are up to no good. But baby, I'm for real. <laughs> I'm as real as a real can get. Making tapes was a way of flirting with people. If what you're looking for <laughs> is real love, <laughs> then what you see is what you get. Da, 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 da. Don't stop him, Neil. He's in the zone. He is yeah. in the zone. Al's in the room. I that, mean, yeah. that is a classy, Tape, that's a classy choice. That was classy. Yeah, yeah. And tapes were yeah. ways. I mean, you know, this is before the era, of course, when you're going out clubbing, getting people back to your flat or whatever, and you've arranged mm. the records in the most tasteful order so that they're massively impressed by your tape. Like, like, like Bobby yes. Gillespie in a photo yes. shoot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, before that era, all we had was making tapes for, for girls that we fancied or boys that we fancied. And yeah, this one clearly failed in its mission. Oh, dear. Oh, man yeah but you know simon tapes that 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 rings a bell doesn't well it? funny you should mention that yeah yeah <laughs> i mean first of all um same as neil just just working real hard this this whole lockdown thing is so different for, for so many people um i think maybe the majority of the country i don't know if it's quite a numerical majority are kind of going a bit stir crazy um yeah sort of shut away at home and just what just just champing at the bit to get out and do stuff Whereas for people like myself, who, you know, I work from home anyway most of the time, it so happens that this is just an insanely busy time mm. that I'm yes. working my fucking ass off here. Um, I'm writing a Good book. Um, I, you know, I think I mentioned a few episodes oh, yes. ago that I'm writing a top secret book. Well, it ain't top secret anymore. It's out there, public domain, that I'm writing a book about the cure. It's called Curepedia, Ooh. and it's going to be sort of A to Z of the cure. Jay for jumpers <laughs> yeah big, big long jumpers <laughs> with your with your thumbs through the, the sort of holes in the end um c for crappy trainers 
you could you can laugh about. Hey, I think I need a credit already. All right, you can, I'm open here, Simon. You can joke. You can joke, right? But um, just the other day, I had to send some sort of sample chapters in so that the publishers can share it around, like foreign publishers, and see if they want to syndicate it. And mm-hmm. one of the chapters I wrote that I was happy to sort of send off at this stage was a whole chapter on trainers. Yes, <laughs> I spent ages researching by going through old photos and just sort of googling everything I could, and just like doing detective work into what trainers Robert Smith was wearing at any given time wow. and yeah I, I now know way more about kind of puffy spongy high top trainers of the late 80s <laughs> than I ever really wanted to uh, there you go there's, there's a there's a Q&A right there yeah yeah right you could tour all the rough trades just talking about his trainers all night yeah we can get sponsored by high tech or Reebok or whatever yes. yeah yeah <laughs> Fuck, you know. so yeah so that's what I've been doing and the, and the deadline is breathing down my neck and I'm absolute shit in it. but um, another thing I'm doing I'm kind of, sort of multitasking I'm I'm sort of doing some Manics related stuff because at some point I'm I'm gonna have to um, you know update my my legendary and acclaimed and award winning Manic Street Preachers biography that came out in 1999, um, mm. and um, so I've I've been going through old bags of cassettes to see what's there, mm. oh, and yes. uh, you know because I've got this little Walkman shaped thing that can convert. It can basically transfer cassette tapes to digital. So I've I've mm. I've never tried it before, but I've been sort of doing a lot of that and transferring old Manic Street Preachers interview tapes. And while I was searching through this bag, well, lo and behold, right here's a story. There's a bit of a backstory to this, uh, and this goes back to the the mid '90s when Neil and I were both working at Melody Maker, and I think Neil remembers this. Um, uh-huh. The actual origin story is a little bit in doubt because Taylor's got a slightly different take on it. But essentially, a tape came into our possession and we're not sure whether it came in the post or Taylor reckons the guy might have actually handed it to us in person at Bristol Sound City, the, um, mm. the sort uh. of Radio 1-sponsored uh, week of gigs that Neil, Taylor and I all went to and ha- had um, quite a time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Where you, Neil and Taylor, did the Bummers Conga. Which, yeah. well, well, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> it was exactly. an epochal week, that was. Yeah, First yeah, time yes. I met Taylor and Pricey, and it, yeah, yeah. N- unforgettable. Yeah, yeah, so many memories of that week. So this guy, it goes into the name Ed Case, right? And um, mm. the tape... Um, there's four tracks on it, and it's it's the Giza Job EP, and um, right. the lead track on it, and it's this kind of one man and his guitar, or Billy Bragg like kind of punk song. It's called East End mm. Tune, um, <laughs> and uh, it became a bit of a cult favourite in the office with with me and and I guess Neil, even though Neil was living in Cov and didn't oh, come. Oh yeah, in, I was you know. obsessed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were just obsessed with it. This this. <laughs> This tape, um, it crossed my mind last year, funny enough, and I, I put out a bit of a fairly hopeless long shot appeal on the internet. Does anyone remember this East End tune by Ed Case? And like, nobody, nobody had anything. But there I was the other day searching through my big bag of Manic Street Preachers interview tapes, and there it was. There it was, the uh-huh. tape, Whoa. the tape itself. And I'm sort of holding it like, like you know, I, they were sort of heavenly choirs, like, ah, <laughs> you know. It was like, it was like in, um, is, it, is it Pulp Fiction, where they uh, open the suitcase and there's this kind of golden glow and you never quite see what's in the suitcase. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I was thinking, please don't be sort of distorted or corrupted or, you know, or wiped or anything like that. And I played it and it was perfect, or at least as perfect as it ever was. And basically... Ooh. It's this guy, and and I'll, I'll put out the appeal again. I've got the tape now, but if anyone knows anything about Ed Case, who he was, 
um, you know, if you are Ed Case, please get in touch. We would fucking yes. love yeah. to hear from you uh, because it's given us so much pleasure. Um, so <laughs> it, it's kind of almost outsider art. It's very, it's, it's so. <laughs> uh, uh, basically, I'll give you some of the lyrics now. The first verse, right? It goes, My name's Sanjay. I love guitar. My name's Ricky. I love Bianca. My name's Frank Butcher. I've done a bit of a runner. My name's Arthur. Arthur Fowler. <laughs> I, I hope I'm doing it justice there. Um, a few other highlights of the lyrics. Just it goes. My name's Richard. Tricky Dicky. <laughs> and uh, and my favourite bit of all. My name's Grant Mitchell. Sharon's me leather. If you don't like it, I'll come round and nut ya. <laughs> I won't spoil the ending though, right? The ending is amazing. And I've uploaded it to YouTube. So basically, go on YouTube, Ooh. search Ed Case EastEnders, and, mm. you, and you should find it. And like I say, if anyone's got any kind of clues at all where this guy is, who he was, apparently there was an Ed Case who was the drummer of the kind of punk new wave band 999. Um, right. I don't know if that's the same guy, Ooh. but that would be an interesting possibility. Apparently, he's mates with Captain Sensible. Right. Um, and I know Captain Sensible. I run into him in Brighton from time to time. So next time I see the captain, I might ask him if he knows anything about this. But yeah. So that Ooh. that's maybe the most exciting, pop and interesting thing that's happened to me is a, an old dusty tape from 1994. Um, the other thing that's happened to me mm. um, involves... Um, uh, our favourite band, all of us, Oasis. Oh, right? <laughs> just something happened the other day, just went fucking yeah. mental, right? Yeah. Now, now you know me, I'm always just sort of, I, I type what comes into my head about old music. Tell I'm it all, like it is. I just have thoughts and quite often... Straight I'll be, shooting Simon Price, they call you. Well, you know, so my normal kind of fare that I put out there is me arguing with somebody's lyrics from the 70s yeah. and, like, picking fault with, like, you know, Tony Orlando and Dawn saying mm. that, you know, not three times and all that. The guy should basically be arrested for sexual harassment yes. and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing I normally put out mm. there. And it might get eight replies or five likes or something, and I'm, I'm fine with that. It's mm. just me shooting shit out in, into the void. The voice of reason. <laughs> well, the other night, I did exactly the same. I was just going on about Oasis, and I just said that the trouble with them is that they don't have fast songs they just lumber about yeah. fat-arsed and graceless at 20 miles an hour yeah. because it's a residential area right <laughs> yeah and, and i also said they are rock but they don't rock and what's yes. the fucking point in that mm. and uh, you know it's not the most controversial opinion no. to, to, to have i was just sort of what it was i uh, i'd actually like um Janie, my fiance, and I had been um, having a few drinks and playing a bit of old vinyl. It was actually because um, Stephen Santa Cruz, the guitarist from Pink Grease, um, R.I.P., uh, passed away. Lovely man. And uh, so I put their album on, and it's a bit kind of garage rocky, and it's it's like New York Dolls meets Roxy Music meets The Cramps. It's really good. And then that got me in the mood for a bit more sort of noughties garage rock. So I stuck mm-hmm. on the first album by The Hives, who I really fucking love, really entertaining band. Yeah. And their music's just so high energy. Like, um, this is track called Untutored Youth. Like, you couldn't, it's, it's almost too fast. You are the Untutored Youth! And it's an And I thought, oh my God, this is just so, it just shoots you full of adrenaline. And I just thought, why was anybody circa the millennium not listen to this and listen to fucking Oasis yeah. instead? Why, yeah. why? Anyway, so I just, anyway, I put this tweet out there. And it just went, I, I don't think it's, it's exaggerated to say it went viral. Mm. There was I've I've had a look now and it's had 1.8 thousand replies, 1.7 thousand retweets, 
10.5 thousand likes and um and it was a fucking uh, news item it became a fucking news item <laughs> on you know, various news weekend <laughs> yeah 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 it really was and um and i off off the back of it i got 2000 new twitter followers oh, overnight well which is fucking yeah i wasn't playing for that but it's, it's nice i guess it's a nice side effect but but you know why why does nobody react like that when i'm banging on about visage or or, yeah. or you know i'm i'm or making the arthur brown joke for the ninth time yeah. or or um obsessing about a welsh glam rock band who never made any records more of that in a bit or oh, you got some comeback though didn't you simon or oh yeah well the thing is you even got bots didn't you Oh yeah, 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 mm, yeah, mm. yeah. People where they've just got a, a grey egg for a face, yeah, yeah. And I replied to a bot, and people pointed out, and I went, "Ah, oh, fuck this, yeah. fuck this century. I want me old one back." Yeah. The one that stood out to me was some twat who said, "Congratulations for slagging down somebody's talents in order to stay relevant." Stay relevant. <laughs> it's, like, it's a thirty-year-old band. <laughs> for fuck's sake, it's it's like saying, "Oh, you know them monsters on the Power Rangers? They weren't real, you know." <laughs> <laughs> and as anyone who knows me will be aware, all I care about is staying relevant. Oh, That's yeah. Just, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck exactly. Yeah, but yeah, Danny Baker got involved quite early, saying that when Oasis played, uh, did a cover of Come On, Feel the Noise by Slade, they even slowed that down, for fuck's mm. sake. So I think that the fact that he got involved, then that sort of set the ball uh, rolling and mm. it went a bit nuts. Yeah, all the football but, twats got involved, didn't they, then? Yeah, they did. I, I had to mute my own thread, my own sort of um, yeah. t- Twitter yeah. post because it was it was making Twitter unusable for me. I just couldn't go on there because everything mm. I was getting was like, yeah. you know, Brexity Oasis fans give me shit. So uh, I just thought, oh, fucking, do you know what, guys? Carry on, oh, knock yourselves me. out. If anybody's listening to this now because of what Simon said, can I just say that on behalf of everyone on Chart Music, we wipe an Alsatian's arsehole with what you think about Oasis. <laughs> Fuck off. Well, I mean, I was surpri- I was shocked at people's shock. And it, it, it's, always, yeah. it's always weird being at the eye of one of those sort of Twitter storms or, or something that goes viral. It's never really happened to me. But years ago, I wrote a piece about the enemy and why they were shit. And yeah, like Simon says, you do have to turn off Twitter because... Yeah. For that day, what you're going to get, and what I noticed, this was the same thing with all the responses to all the negative responses to what Pricey said, which was a totally right assertion. Is a frequent thing is, oh, you're just trying to be controversial, you know, yeah, um, you know, and this thing of staying relevant, you know, good luck trying to stay relevant, and, and yeah. this thing of, <laughs> I always get it, um, you know, I've been doing this for fucking twenty odd years, and I still yeah. get it. You're trying to make a name for yourself, aren't you? How <laughs> <laughs> okay. dare you! <laughs> Very, very strange. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the, the people in the world whose attention I want the least are Brexit Oasis lads. Yeah. So, so the yeah. idea that I'm tugging their sleeve, like, please notice me, well, no, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> but with regards to the tape that Simon uncovered, Ed Case, that is the highlight of, to be honest with you, this decade so far for me, <laughs> Simon finding that. Um, I, as soon as he uploaded it to YouTube... I listened to it immediately and then I yes. listened to it again and I listened to it about five or six times. It's a fucking <laughs> great song. And yes. the thing is, I think, you know, it's not a generational thing necessarily, but I think what you'd normally expect with a song called, with a song about EastEnders is some smirky bastard taking yeah. the piss out of EastEnders. Uh, yeah. That isn't really what's going on with this song. It, it's joyous and it's almost yes. a celebration. There's no snarkiness. There's no smirk. It's not done by somebody who would fucking use the word cockwomble. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a really great song. So I encourage people to go to YouTube and inject some sunshine into your day with Ed Case because yeah. it, it's a really great song. 
I wonder if he's updated it. Uh, you know, different cast members now. I guess so. I wouldn't. I, I don't watch it anymore. I wouldn't. Don't fuck with the classics. Yeah. For all we know, there's a, a box set of like 30 years of EastEnders character updates <laughs> lying about somewhere that's just waiting to be released. Yeah, it's like, you know, John Cooper Clark's Beasley Street. Mm. He now, he does that live, but then he changes it to Beasley Boulevard and it's all about gentrification and it's got right. these kind of mm. like uh, 21st century hipster references in it. And mm. I guess that's it's fair enough. John Cooper Clark's a genius, but yeah, yeah just with the uh, East End tune, I think you've got to leave it be. It's, you know, yeah. it is what yeah. it is. Apart from anything else, um, I stopped watching EastEnders when Tiffany died because right. i was just so, so outraged um so um yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't know who anyone is anymore no i don't want him to to do an updated version the poignancy of lines like come down a market sprouts only 28p should not be fucked with Let's leave it as be yeah the only tape i ever heard that was give, sent to a magazine was when i worked at mayfair and we found this tape in a box and i think somebody sent it in the in the mid 80s or early 80s to one of the models, a song that he'd done. And it was all done on a synth. Oh, my synth. God. And it was fucking amazing. It was called Tenderheart. And what, the, like, the, uh, like, a, like, like a love song to the model, was it? Yes. <sighs> on a synth. Oh, Who'd my have God. That's not going to get to number one, is it? Oh, You're making fuck. me think of The Simpsons now. Kirk Van Houten's mm, kind of borrow, borrow a feeling. feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but the tune was... It was proper John Shuttleworth. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he went Bodies entwined in artistic forms. We make love till the break of dawn. It's your tender heart. Tender heart, I want it now. It's your tender heart. Tender heart, I need it now. Well, that well, sounds well, amazing. Well, 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 well. My mates probably got that tape. Fucking and upload along it, with upload his it. bin bags full of wank mag letters, mm. he won't let me look at them or use them or borrow them or, oh, or anything. For fuck's Bastard. Sake. He's sitting on a fucking absolute time capsule of the open wound of male sexuality. <laughs> But anyway, let's not worry about trying to stay relevant. Let's do what we were put on this fucking earth to do. Give thanks and praise to the latest batch of pop-crazed youngsters who've shoved some money down our G-string. In the $5 zone, we have Darren, Robert Musker, Rich Barber, Joe O'Donnell, David R. Callway, Tim Turner, Paul O'Dwyer, Rachel... Zoe Parker, Ian Sullivan, Huel Roberts, Joe DeMont, Emma Roberts, Greg McMenamin, Steve Johnson, Andrew Nemeth, David Scott, Manny Grillo, Richard Connell, Anthony Gregory, Elizabeth Harrison, Emily Davis, Richard Tubb, Ben Groom, Paul Coleman, Bruce Bernard, Stephen Sheridan, Emma Murray, Christopher, Phil Maguire, Justin Thomas, Ron Sims, Matt Nixie, Bobby, Nick Duffy, Bill Cummings, Phil Donnerke, Simon Gritch, Stephen Fothergill, Craig Austin, Peter Hedden, Mark Mayo, Justin Thomas, Steve Bock, Matthew Mara, 
and Schnorbits. <laughs> Thank you, you lovely, lovely people. Legends, all yeah. of you. And am, yeah. I imag- am I imagining it? Was that the longest list we've ever had? Yeah. That's brilliant. We had a big take-up after that last episode. Oh, thank you, everyone. Bless them all. That's amazing. Yeah, and I, and I reckon all. some of them may well have been, like, have listened to, because I, I remember on Price's thread about Oasis that you did mention, <laughs> you know, <laughs> our little rant about um, Oasis when we got to them. You know, once they've had a drop of the harder stuff, of the chart music stuff, they want more, don't they? That's it. I think a lot of these people were thinking, I'm just trying to somehow monetize my hatred of Oasis. Listen, if I could do that, I would have done it a long time before now. Trust me. Or you'd me. have golden prongs on your head, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but but then I thought, well, what can I do? What? And I thought, well, if I can point them in a direction of something where... Um, where where I and of course Neil and and yourself Al uh, have really laid it on the line why we hate Oasis. Yeah. I thought I would tell them to. I've oh, gone off the top of my head. I can't remember which episode it was. The movement that wouldn't feel the benefit. That's the one. Yeah. So I told everyone just to go and go and have a listen to, listen to that. So yeah, maybe maybe some of these lovely mm-hmm. people who've chucked a bit of uh, uh, a few quid our way um, were lured in by the prospect of by some hate. people being rude about Oasis. <laughs> yeah, of hatred. Yeah. You're the Katie Hopkins of Britpop. <laughs> That's Sorry. very much how I see myself, like Lawrence Fox. Yeah, one of those kind <laughs> yes. of people. Yeah, I'll be off to parlour. <laughs> and in the three dollar section, we have Callum Thompson, Damian Jones. Paul Bernard, Alex Brennan, Tim Ward, Tim O'Connor, Mitch Ben, Nick Loveland, Sam Wistonoff, Andy Healing, Hannah Blarwood, Gary Potter, Brian Moore, Mark Wardlow, Tom Davis, Michelle Shaw, Paul Devlin and Patrick Meehan. Thank you, babies. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks, everyone. That's that's incredible. It's, yeah, uh, yeah and, I, and I do mean that so very sincerely from the bottom <laughs> of my heart. Oh, and Queen Air, John Macker, Mac McClure, Ali Lowe, Vic Summers, Matt Milner and Mark Hunter, a special thanks to you because you wax your donation up over and beyond and above and away. Yeah, thank you. It really does feel, doesn't it, that the pop crazed youngster army is expanding. Yes. It, we're growing in numbers. It's yeah. Yes. I, just keep your ears peeled for that call from Channel 5, Al. I reckon yes. it's coming, mate. Yes. Just one more thing. I just want to give a big shout out to Shane Bruin. Stay pop crazed, ducker. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other thing I want to say is as well, if you want to join those people and have your name mangled by my beautiful dulcet tones, you know what you've got to do. <laughs> you've got to get them fingers, you've got to put them on the keyboard and you've got to mash, mash, mash patreon.com slash chart music. I just realised kind of how British I am, or we all are, in terms of thanking people. We're crap at thanking yeah, people. Because, like, you know, you know, it's a very British thing to be bad at accepting compliments, mm. right? Mm. And in a way, this is a financial compliment that these people are giving us. The best compliment of all. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's the only, only compliment I'm really interested in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, when, when, um, when I was sort of thanking them then, I, I did sound like a bit snide and sarcastic because we're almost embarrassed yes. to receive these these financial compliments but i really do mean it mm-hmm. I'm, you know it's but i think you're actually quite good at it, al you're you're good at sounding sincere yeah i'm like huey green and bob yeah. Monkhouse rolled into one <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i did mean it sincerely even if it didn't sound yeah. like i did and those people, along with all the other pop craze Patreon, have been lobbing out the Judy Zook satin tour jackets and fiddling with a brand new chart music top ten. Chaps, shall we? Yes. Oh. Yes, we jolly well shall. Hit the fucking music! 
we've said goodbye to Dave D. Creeper, Twat and Cunt, mm. Simon Price's arsehole material, Good. and 15 Hitlers, <laughs> which means four up, two down, four new entries, and a brand new number one. Ooh. The Christmas number one is down nine places to number ten. James Galway's flute of VD. <laughs> First new entry in at number nine, Saxon Finder General. <laughs> Up one place from number nine to number eight, it's Jeff Sachs. Get in, Jeff. A former number one down three places to number seven, CFAX Data Blast. <laughs> Pulsing upwards from number seven to number six, here comes Jizzleton. Yes. Into the top five, and it's a new entry for Rennie out of the Stone Roses and Renato. <laughs> Up one place from number five to number four, it could only be Bomber Dog. Yes! Into the top three and a new entry at three for Jar Waddy Wadde. <laughs> this week's highest new entry goes all the way to number two, the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boys from Quality Street, <laughs> which means... <laughs> last week's number three, this week's chart music number one, Rock Expert... David Stubbs! <laughs> He's made it! Fucking hell, what a job! That's brilliant. That's how you start a new year, everyone. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think rock expert David Stubbs has really caught on because mm. um, I made I made a reference to it on yes. Twitter, thinking nobody except uh, David, who is at Scent Victorious on Twitter, would even respond to it. But there were quite a lot of people mm. ch- chuckling and laughing and, and liking that. So yeah, I think I think that's who he is now. He's, he's never going to shake that off. Yeah, Good. yeah. That's a thrilling chart, not only for the new entries, but also it's strangely comforting. And that jism is so adherent, isn't it? It yeah, just can't be shit. Cannot wipe it off. It's like Monica Lewinsky in her dress. You just cannot wipe that <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Saxon Finder General, what are they all about? <laughs> well, obviously, I can't think. I can't think beyond the first word. It's just wheels of steel. It's yeah. Seven, it's, it's definite mm. nawabum. Yeah, it? yeah, it's, it's yeah, nawabum. Yeah. It's seven forty-seven strangers in the night. Yeah, uh, and I'm quite proud that um, this slang um, Saxons for flares has kind of been revived because. I don't even think anybody from my school remembers it now, but it was a thing. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Rennie out of the Stone Roses and Renato. I mean, baggy opera. I mean, <laughs> surely that's got to happen at some point in the chart. Yeah, I suppose a bit like that Malcolm McLaren, Madam Butterfly kind of thing, you know, mm. where it's sort of mm. hip hopera, whatever. Definitely, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, um, Jar Waddy Waddy. Yeah. You know, does exactly what it says on the tin. You've been waiting to use that one for ever since we started. Oh, man, I've been sitting on that for fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> and the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boys of Quality Street. Well, yeah, there we go. I don't remember that one. What was that in relation to? That's Taylor's description of uh, Duran Duran in the uh, uh, Is There Something I Should Know oh, fair video. Enough. <laughs> so, this episode, Pop Craze Youngsters, takes us all the way back to October the 11th, 1973. Smack dab into the middle of what I consider to be the golden age of Top of the Pops. If we're comparing Top of the Pops to Marvel Comics, and we are now, <laughs> um, I consider Top of the Pops 1972 to 1974 as the golden age, and then the Aventis as the Silver Age. Yeah, I think so. I think, for me... Um the Aventies 
is the golden age musically. But there's just something mm. about the early 70s that feels very top of the pops. It mm. was when mm. the show yeah. really came into its own and probably when it was, mm. you know, a huge cultural force, which, uh, you know, thrilled and also terrified, as, as we're going to find out. Yeah, yeah. And yes. as much delight gained from watching the audience as, as, the, as the performers yeah. in this era in particular. Mm. We've visited 1973 many a time and oft. And uh, it's always been a lucky bag of randomness. You know, sometimes it's life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's tainted with the musk of beige. <laughs> but it's always fascinating, isn't yeah. it, this this year? I think it's because, for me and Simon in particular, it's just about memorable. Yeah. As mentioned before, my dad would be sat in a tin bath watching Emmerdale Farm. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to be around when that was happening. So I go around me make Tony Bones' ass because his mum had let us watch Top of the Pops because she was progressive. <laughs> That's by the way, Tony Bones is an amazing name. That's just so cool. It is, isn't yeah. it? I'd love to meet him. That's again. a that's a member of the Wu Tang Clan, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get stuck in. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, I'm Chris England, and I'm here to tell you about the Fun Factory podcast, available now on Great Big Owl. Each time, I will be reading a couple of chapters of my novel, The Fun Factory, a historical comedy about the history of comedy, so it will kind of be like a free audiobook, which you can listen to at the gym, or jogging, or at your desk while pretending to do your job, or on the train, without the embarrassment of people seeing you actually reading a book like some kind of swat. this week. Spyro Agnew resigns as Vice President of the USA for being a tax-cheating mingebag cunt. Day 5 of the Yom Kippur War sees a stalemate between Egypt and Israel on the Israeli side of the Suez Canal and a pushback of Syrian tanks on the Golan Heights. Ted Heath announces a £10 bonus for the Oldens at Christmas and New Year's Day to become a public holiday in the UK. Elvis and Priscilla Presley have got divorced in Santa Monica. Fears grow over a potential rationing of milk due to the disappearance of millions of milk bottles that are not being returned. Folkestone Council announced plans to carve the faces of Winston Churchill and Ted Heath into the town's cliffs. (laughs) Three members of the Alice Cooper band were arrested in Greenwich, Connecticut for the possession of marijuana. 
Jackie Stewart announces his retirement from motor racing after his teammate Francois Severt dies during a practice session for the United States Grand Prix. Crossroads has broadcast its 2000th episode a couple of days ago. Bobby Moore has been ruled out of next week's vital World Cup qualifying match against Poland due to injury. But the big news this week is that LBC, the first legal commercial radio station in the UK, has gone on air, kicking off a flood of new local radio stations right across the 70s and beyond. Oh, commercial radio, a very big deal at the time, don't you know? Yeah, we kind of avoided it. Round here, we had BRMB. And it was just a bit too brummagey, you know, for our tastes, I think. Uh, we had to wait really until 1980 with the advent of Mercia Sound, which instantly became the main station that my whole family listened to in the car and, and, and became a station where I learned about pop, really. Mercia Sound, particularly the Gordon Astley show in the morning, um, the Ooh. breakfast show. Um, but BRMB passed us by because it, it seemed to mainly be quite a few ads, very brummy DJs mm. and elderly women phoning up from like, um, you know, Selly Oak complaining about dog shit on the pavements and stuff. And, and <laughs> it just didn't appeal that much. But yeah, commercial yeah. radio, I don't know why, but by the time we did get a commercial radio station, it was exciting, you know, and we wanted to listen to it more than we wanted to listen to Radio 1. It just felt fresher. Yeah. I don't think it happened in South Wales until several years later. If I'm not mistaken, CBC in Cardiff didn't launch until about 1980. My dad mm. got a job with CBC around 81, I think it was, um, as, a, as a presenter. Uh, but prior to that, I can't remember there being um, an independent local uh, radio station for us to listen to and even if there had been one I don't think it would have been on in our house we would have my mum would have considered it terribly common and mm. brash with all <laughs> all the adverts and stuff oh, yeah, like you that were very non-ITV your house very non-ITV yeah and there wasn't even much pop radio or pop telly going on until I got to the age where I could really kick kick off and insist on it so certainly mm. um this episode of Top of the Pops I would not have seen and I definitely wouldn't have had commercial radio probably wouldn't have even had radio one playing at that time to be honest god yeah but i made up for it later yeah we had radio trent in 1975 and it was fucking massive in nottingham it was it was like 50 percent of the population and knots listened to it at some point in the week and it, it was amazing because you know we were still trapped under the cruel reign of atv which was massively <laughs> West Midland centric. It was, yeah. yeah. Finally, we had an, an entity, apart from Radio Nottingham, that played pop music all through the day. And the DJs actually knew where the Victoria Centre was. Mm, and they yeah. knew where Broadmarsh Centre was. And they, they talked about Forest and County. Yeah. They'd heard of the Goose Fair. Yes. <laughs> and people fucking loved it. Nottingham's that place that, that, that never celebrates itself yeah. and is, is happy to be obscure. And then all of a sudden, a load of people come along and they, they just put resources into it. They had, they had their own news team. Mm. They had a really big sports team. And, and it was fucking brilliant. And I listened to Radio Trent up until I was about 10. Then I switched to Radio 1. Mm. And then when I was about 13, I got bored with Radio 1 and I switched back to Radio Trent again because I wanted to hear about car boot fairs in my area. <laughs> Which is the one that had Dale Winton? Yeah, Dale Winton, Radio Trent. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Kid Jensen was on Radio Ooh, Trent as well. Blimey. Radio Nottingham was fucking massive yeah, as yeah. well. There was this bloke called Dennis McArthur who used to present Crufts on the BBC once a year. But he had his own radio show on Sunday afternoon, near Sunday dinner time. 
And it was so popular that the post office put a message out to the people in Nottingham saying, if your phone number starts off with the same four numbers as uh, Radio Nottingham, don't bother ringing anybody up on a Sunday morning because you're not going to wow. get through. That's mad. Yeah. But what's crazy is, you know, it, it took time, didn't it, to filter out to the rest of the country. I mean, you know, Nottingham had to wait two years. We had to wait seven years. And when when it did, you know, I would have thought these stations would have been waiting, you know, to pounce as soon as it was allowed commercial radio. But it did take time. But what was exciting about Mercy was, yeah, the local presenters and all that. They talked about local stuff that wasn't that interested in. The sexy thing was the stickers. The car stickers were amazing for Mercy Sound. And the (laughs) T-shirts were as well. They were much better than the Radio 1 um, counterparts. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was always a thrill. Yeah. I did end up with a show on local radio um, on a commentary Ooh. station called Kicks 96. Um, <laughs> Kicks, yes. Nice. Kicks 96. I had a show for about four or five years in the late 90s, <gasps> early 90s. I didn't know this. Uh, and it was, a, it was a late night Sunday show. Um, I went on after the Soul Guy. It was a lovely chap. He had a show from eight to ten. It was all the specialist stuff on a Sunday night. And I had a show ten yeah. till one in the morning. Um, Fuck. You, you kept that quiet. Did I? Oh, no. I had, yeah. I had, That's a dream job. What a job. Across country. Yeah. And, you know, with no control over my playlist or anything the, the kick carson of cov i could absolutely play anything i wanted i mean i did of course have to play ads you know local skip hire firms and all of that it's that <laughs> nice mix of kind of very local stuff with the stuff that i was playing and of course i had to field calls quite a lot when you can imagine the kind of people who phone up a coventry radio station at about one o'clock in the morning um <laughs> it was mainly directing them towards the relevant social services but it was it was it was i, I really enjoyed it i had actually ended up losing that job because i missed a staff meeting i didn't go to a staff meeting and i was fired for that and my oh, boss you know. my boss she was a strange lady she 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 exerted a really kind of frenzied micromanaged control over lots of aspects of the station but i'll never forget when i did actually go to her office once she was sat in this office and the only picture she had on her walls was a gigantic portrait of john wayne behind her desk and right. yeah and she was the controller of the station i missed the staff meeting i got fired you know i got off my horse and drank my milk i guess but yeah it was no. enjoyable <laughs> it was really lovely doing a radio show um not I mean, obviously anyone would love a radio show to a national audience but doing one to a cov audience was yeah. was really oh, a lot of fun. Local radio job. was a lot of fun. I kind of a bit gutted I lost that. And what I find on local radio now is that all those specialist shows, you know, a lot of these stations, these local stations, really did have specialist shows covering mm. kind of, lo- you know, local reggae scenes, local soul scenes, and all the rest of it. Yeah. It all get reflected on these local stations. What's happened since, I think, is that most commercial stations are basically adhering to a kind of daytime playlist day and night you know and the yeah. specialist djs have gone which is a real shame commercial radio like itv was a conservative conceit the heath government brought it in and the wilson government obviously got rid of the pirates which meant that every dj of the past 50 years has been a massive Tory. and <laughs> you know the conservative truism is that competition breeds excellence and you know that only goes for so far because you know before too long one station is going to be a little bit bigger than all the others and starts buying them all up and then you've got another monopoly which was what happened to commercial radio you know it's just a shitter bbc 
Yeah. Um, Trent went by the wayside a long time ago. We now have Capital Radio. They couldn't even be bothered to change the name. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We get our news nowadays from an office in Leicester Square. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is shit. And that's that's very much the American model of radio, where everything everything is centrally sort of syndicated. There was, I think, a golden age um, of American radio in the sort of seventies, maybe uh, early eighties. Uh, oh, even earlier than that, sixties. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think I think when when FM came in. Um, uh, yeah, oh, right. so talk, talking about the seventies, really, and I do love the romance of that—that that idea of being the late night DJ, yeah. like midnight caller or something. I'm so envious on WOLD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing, and and it, the thing is, they they should relax more. You know, the ad revenues at that time of night are going to be okay. You're going to get the same old companies, mm. yes, yeah, skip hire firms and cab firms. This is what you get on local radio, and they're always going to pay for mm. advertising space so i could play what the I, I genuinely had no playlist i could play what i wanted i could say what i wanted and you know i didn't actually say that much that was controversial i had a lot of good music to play but yeah all mm. of that has gone all of that has gone there much more musical carne used to call you <laughs> i got my stepkids to do little uh, jingles for me oh um, neil you must have these on tape <laughs> I'll see. I'll ask them actually if they've still got them. You must. Are there, are there no shows? Are there no like whole? I don't shows think there's any show. I didn't. For you fuck's know, sake, as ever, I never kept cuttings. I never recorded anything. But oh, kind Neil. of, I got my my stepkids to do little little stupid like jingles, like my my, my stepson Jake saying, "I'm Ainsley Harriet and I listen to Neil Kulkarni." <laughs> 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 sort of shit. Uh, it was it was it was lovely. It was nice and freewheeling in a sense, and I sort of mm. slightly couldn't believe I was getting away with it. But um, yeah, th- those days are th- that'll never happen again. I mean, late night DJs no. now on local radio are exactly the same as all the daytime DJs, yeah, you know. Yeah, so. but yeah, there was certainly late at night that kind of edge of freedom to it, and yeah. it is, and it it, it does sort of um, uh, descend from the, the the American model of people like you know these kind of fictional versions like Clint Eastwood in Play Misty for me, yeah. or mm-hmm. in Vanishing Point, it's is it Super Soul or something? Yeah, DJ, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. That blind guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then my favourite, um, Tim Curry in Times Square. Um, mm-hmm. So you, uh, this this is a great film anyway. I don't know if any of you watched it, mm-hmm. but Times Square. It was made by it was sort of produced by Robert Stigwood with all mm-hmm. the Saturday Night Fever money. Your daughter is one. Your daughter is one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's about this sort of proto riot girl um, punk duo, these teenage runaways who break out of a mental hospital and form a punk band, <laughs> and uh, and and Tim Curry um, out of Rocky Horror is this late night DJ, sort of egging them on, sort of telling them, you know, sort of just sending them goodwill messages and then telling sort of fans where they might be doing some guerrilla gigging and mm. this kind of stuff, and it's just amazing. And I've always loved that idea. And actually, my dad, when he did get the job with CBC in Cardiff, had an even more graveyard shift than. 10 till 1 I think my dad was on from about maybe like 2 till 6 or 1 till 5 in the morning something like that mm. um, to begin with um, and and I remember that I, I was at the age where I was starting to go to nightclubs so I would I would go in to Cardiff <laughs> have a night out get pissed and then because um, I couldn't really afford <laughs> so a taxi home taxi yeah yeah I, 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 no, no. I would go to the radio station. He'd buzz me in, and oh. I'd sit there, sort of gradually sobering up while he's doing his show, playing wow. old sort of like James Taylor records or whatever, playing a bit of Santana, all these sort of like very mellow grooves, and oh. um, and and he had he had listeners because the way that the, the um, transmitters pointed like across the West Country as well as Wales, and one person who used to phone in quite regularly was Gary Glitter. No, wow. yeah. 
Fuck. Yeah, Gary Glitter had a place in the West Country um, and used to listen to my dad's show. And this is before anybody knew anything was mm-hmm, un- mm-hmm. untoward about GG. And uh, yeah, um, he used to phone in and say, oh, I love that record you just played. What is it? And stuff like that. Wow. And um, another one who listened was Phil Collins. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> who must also have had a place over in the West Country. So that that was all a bit weird. That's but nice. yeah, I, I think if, if there was still money being paid for people to do late night radio shows, that might be my dream job. Oh, God, mm. yeah. I mean, uh, sorry, one last thing. That I've, I can't believe I've forgotten about this to certain. I've just remembered that um, I said, you know, the guy before me had the show like seven till 10 and it was a strictly a soul show. It was like a quiet storm show. Really yeah. cool guy. Um, Black Hoggle Jerry. And um, the studio ended up, Kicks 96 Studio, in this weird building near to what we called the um, the well what was the irish center in coventry i.e. Right. place to pick up divorcees but um <laughs> before that it was in this like really odd disused church um and um luther van dross came to that studio to be on this guy's show Fuck! and oh i was God. you know i didn't know this like it had only kind of been sorted during the week when i was away somewhere and i turned up on my on on sunday night to do my show at 10 and normally there'd be a handover you know between me and the guy before me and um, I get there and he's like Luther Vandross is here and I was like oh my fucking god it'd be amazing if I could meet him and he goes I don't think that's going to happen mate come here and he takes me to the bathroom right not Lufa the DJ takes me to the bathroom says Lufa's in there have a listen and all I could hear was just incessant quacking up of cocaine. Whoa. Just, just, just over and over. It, it, yeah, it was nuts. But that, yeah, sorry, that's just come back to me. Um, Fucking it's hell. a surreal time. But yeah, no, it, it, it's amazing what happened on local radio. It's amazing in retrospect that we were allowed to get away with it. Mm. But in real, in, in really, that's what people want late at night on radio, yes. you know? And, and it needs to come back in a big way. But it's not, is it? Nah, no, of course not. Because people they, they just go, oh, well, you can do that on the internet if you want now. You don't need yeah, radio. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not the same, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing of, you know, I, I think when we were talking about, oddly, the Commodore's Night Shift, that that's a great song about being on the, listening to the radio at night. Mm. Some of the greatest things I've ever heard have come filtering to me through the radio at night. When you just stick it on, you don't even think about it. Perhaps you listen to a specialist show that maybe isn't for you and you just hear something amazing. Yes. This is the magic of radio and it's just not happening anymore. Yeah. On the cover of The Enemy this week, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. (laughs) On the cover of music star, Donny Osmond. The number one LP at the minute is the Slade compilation album, Sladist. I'm a writer, not a fighter by Gilbert O'Sullivan is at number two. Over in America, the number one single is Half Breed by Cher. And the number one LP in America is Goat's Head Soup by the Rolling Stones. So, boys, what were we doing in October of 1973? Obviously, 73, I'm one, right? Mm. So I was doing my usual thing of preparing for this and jotting down memories. Normally, I can come up with a few memories, but I'm looking at my jottings now, and it looks more like a haiku, to be honest with you. (laughs) I've written pretty flowers, green push chair shitting my nappy and, th- and that's it really <laughs> it's all vague sensual memories like that you know yeah i mean um not only have we done 1973 before um i've done 1973 yes. twice um 
So, I mean, I'd refer people back to episode 25 if they really care. Um, and episode mm-hmm. three, I think, was the other one um, that, that I did of yeah. 73. Um, but in brief, I had just turned six. Um, I was living with my grandparents because my mum and dad had split up. And I was going to Romley Infant School in Barry. And here's a bit I don't think I mentioned before. So, yeah, I was, I was a freckly little kid with wavy ginger hair, only child of a single parent, mm-hmm. trying to be optimistic and just, just trying to kind of figure it all out. You know, you sort yeah. of figuring out the world despite all the uncertainty of my family life. But at, at school, I was I was a brainy kid. I was advanced for my age. I I could read and write before everyone else because my mum had taught me when I was little. And mm. um, I guess partly because of that, the previous year, I got moved up a year. There was me and three other kids. There was me, Ooh. Suzanne Vincent, Andrew Hammond, both of whom I'm still friends with, and one other I can't remember, but... James Harris. <laughs> Um, we, we were too clever and, and the other kids were holding us back was the theory. Yeah, right. So so we were put in with the older kids to see how we get on, right? And, you know, I thought we were fine. Um, but at the end of that year, the school decided that that wasn't allowed after all and that we couldn't just carry on then in the older group. So they just held us back and we had to do the whole third year of the infants again. Oh, while, no. Yeah, while the kids who were our age caught up with us, if you, if you get what I mean. Yeah. And, and that... That is when, this is fatally, I drifted off yeah. and started daydreaming. I, you know, yeah. I, be, I became quite a sort of disengaged daydreamer at the age of six. And I, and I never quite re-engaged. And I, I do really think that that kind of laid the pattern for me at school, that I was quite bright, but I was always staring out the window, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, Pricey, do you think what could have happened? I mean, would you have been like a really specky academic by now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like maybe that I, as well. I got I got <laughs> let into uh, infant school at the age of four because I could already read. Yeah, yeah I feel your pain. Yeah, Simon. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, maybe I could have kept that going. They keep moving me up here and up here, and I'd end up going to university at the age of twelve. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like the protagonist of Beat the Clock by Sparks, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah Simon uh, Fisher, child prodigy. There'd, there'd be like a little story about me on the local TV news about local eleven-year-old is going to Oxford, blah blah blah. And yeah, I'd, I'd basically be, like, you know, James Harry's the uh, the the antiques child. Lauren yes. Harris now, of course, yeah, yeah, um, but but you know that 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 wasn't allowed to happen. So sadly, I got thrown in with all, all the idiots and cretins of my own age group, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, ended up staring out the window forever. And here I am, literally staring out a window, or like like Michael Jackson. Yeah. That is, yeah, time. I'm very much the Michael Jackson of South Wales. <laughs> Maybe delete that bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> so yeah, me, just a little bit younger than Simon. Scott Home Infant School. Uh, Thursday dinner time disco off Peter get in me and the Rudy guys going mental over blockbuster and leader of the gang dad's a lorry driver mum's a bingo caller life is bliss I fucking love 1973 I'd go back there like that tomorrow today even see I wouldn't because yeah. this was a time when I was getting the first of my many childhood diseases so oh no <laughs> Well, no, you know, I ran through the gamut. I think I was, it was a German measles year that year, I seem yes. to recall. Um, and um, then I got whooping cough the next year. I never got mumps, though, which worries me, because I hear that when you get it when you're old, it can do terrible damage to your testicles. Yeah. So I hope I managed to avoid that. <laughs> the other thing about this time, when I was a five-year-old, um, I was starting to decide what I was going to be when I grew up. Because, you know, I was five, you know, time was ticking on. And, you know, up till that point, I... I, I 
just thought I'd be like my dad. I just thought you automatically did whatever your dad was doing. And he was a lorry driver. And I think it was around about this time that I'd done a map. Well, the teacher had done an out big outline of the United Kingdom. And I would find on the map where my dad went mm. that week and just draw uh, lines and work out how long, how many miles it was and all that kind mm. of stuff. But, yeah. you know, at this time, my dad would be just out the house for like days on end because yeah. he, he was a lorry driver. Every time I saw him, he'd come back from work or the pub and he'd look absolutely knackered or pissed up and everything. I thought, oh, do I, do I really want to do that? <laughs> and, you know, when you're five, you've got a very limited circle of people you know. And I looked round at all of them as well who were of adult age, and they didn't seem to be having much of a good time either. But the, mm. one of the most profound things I've ever heard on chart music, out of the millions of them, <laughs> is when you, Simon, said that Boy George taught you another way of being a man. Yeah. And this was essentially what the, the pop stars of the era were doing for me. Yeah. You know, I could either yeah. sit in a lorry all day and come back really knackered. Or I could wear this amazing fucking flared Baco foil suit <laughs> and just turn up somewhere and just punch the air and go, hey, and people would go <laughs> mental. And that really appealed to me. I didn't really know how you went about getting that job, but it, mm. it was definitely a job I wanted. I, I either wanted to be Brian Connolly of the suite or Stan Bowles. Nice, yeah. And that, that was my goal in life. There's still time. I'm I'm 52. It could, it could <laughs> yeah. happen, surely. <laughs> Who was doing it for you when you were five, Neil? Ooh, 1977. Who would that have been? Um, must have been David Soul. He must have had some bearing <laughs> on your life. That kind of thing. I mean, in combination with the denim advert. Yeah, I wanted a chest like that. I wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of that kind of manliness. By the time I was a teenager, it was Prince who did that for me. It just suggested yeah. a different way of being, like Simon said about Boy George. Yeah, having no hair on your chest. <laughs> well, quite. <laughs> For me, it was Gary Glitter, I'm afraid to say. you yes. know. And I've, I've talked about this before, but the first record I ever owned was I'm the lead of the gang I am because mm. my dad dragged me to a record shop and I was bored to tears. And I, you know, he said, all right, you can have a record. What do you want? And I think Gary Glitter might have been from my sort of um, rare glimpses of Top of the Pops or any kind of music TV the only pop stars really aware of and um mm. yeah just something about it like you say the big baker foil shoulder pads and punching the air going hey yeah um was it for me that was just amazing yeah i would have settled for being in the glitter band yeah. <laughs> if i could have the the star-shaped guitar yeah that would have sorted me out i wasn't a greedy lad when you're five it's that pop star who kind of is exciting and thrilling and is a pop star but in a sense seems reachable like mm. you probably out you know we're not going to think oh i want to be david bowie because or mark Bowman no. or something because these people are astonishing sort of like beamed in from venus type people but brian yeah. Connolly, he's got that amazing thing you know that he's doing and yet you could you you'd see a face like that walking down a street you know you, yes you, he's reachable in that way anyway pop craze youngsters it's that time of the episode when we delve into the crates and pull out one of the music press from this week and this time i've gone for melody made October the 13th, 1973. Shall we delve, chaps? Yes, please. On the cover, Liza Minnelli and Alice Cooper in the studio. Uh, They're laying down a track for Alice Cooper's next album, I believe. In the news section, 
Rick Wakeman has announced his first two solo gigs at the Royal Festival Hall next January with the London Symphony Orchestra. They'll be performing his adaptation of Jules Verne's Journey to the Centre of the Earth, and he threatens to play three Moogs, three <laughs> Mellotrons, three electric pianos, a normal piano, a Hammond organ, and an electric harpsichord. And there'll be a live LP soon after. Fucking hell, how big is that stage? <laughs> Plans are also afoot to film the concerts for colour video cassettes. Or oh, they must sell at least three of those <laughs> at some point. That whole um, Liza Minnelli and Alice Cooper thing, I guess very much the Kylie Minogue and Michael Hutchins of, of their day. Oh, yes. Kylie Minogue and Nick Cave, you know, this kind of improbable uh, meeting. Mm. Of, uh, and it turns out that... Um, Melody Maker had a had a running joke that Liza Minnelli and Alice Cooper look like each other. Right. So they must have been so delighted to get this photo on the yeah. front cover because you know it's become real. Because yeah, Liza, as you say, singing backing vocals on Alice's new record. The Japanese bassist Tetsu Yamauchi, Ronnie Lane's replacement in the Faces, has finally been allowed to join the Musicians Union, and the band have dropped their threat to never play in the UK again if he wasn't allowed a work visa. They'll be touring next month. That's on the front cover, right? So sorry to keep interrupting, but um, I should explain to, to the uh, pot crazed youngsters that I also have had a look through this uh, copy of Melody Maker because Al accidentally bought two copies and um, <laughs> sent the spare one to me. Yeah, that thing about um, uh, Tetsu Yamuchi, the faces joining the musicians union that's front cover news all right it's only a little <laughs> yes. bit but that tells you about, a lot about melody maker at that time just how much yeah. of a of a muso's mag it was yeah. nearly three months after the retirement of ziggy stardust david bowie announces his return to the stage for two gigs at the marquee for the american tv show midnight special better known as the 1980 floor show 200 tickets have been made available through the Bowie fan club and the venue has been booked out for three days for recording. Meanwhile, the Osmonds have announced an extra date at the Rainbow next week and once again tickets are only available through their fan club. Over in America, a scheduled gig by Manassas, Stephen Stills' band, is interrupted by a guest appearance by David Crosby, Graham Nash and Neil Young, which leads to the announcement that, oh yes, Crosby, Stills, <laughs> Nash and Young are reforming. Hooray. Yeah. yeah. That Bowie story that um, says he's working on a West End stage adaptation of Orwell's 1984 so mm. um, eventually I guess that became Diamond Dogs mm. um, which when it actually happened it was so shoddily designed <laughs> that um, a walkway between two tower blocks collapsed while Bowie was walking on it and Ooh. there was this cherry picker which broke down at the end of Space Oddity leaving him stranded <laughs> over, the, over the heads of the crowd which I suppose is quite fitting it's a bit like Major Tom himself mm. just kind of stranded overhead you know Bowie fan club, Osmond's fan club. Were you ever in a fan club, Al? Yes, I was in the Torch Society, the Style Council. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was for a while. And my badge keeps on burning. I was in the MIS, the Madness Information Service. Wow. Yeah, so I used to get the Nutty Boys comic um, and various other bits and bobs. God, I never was, you see. I I wasn't bold enough. I really wanted to, obviously, I wanted a Nash. Bold enough? Well, you know, cowardly. Uh, I don't know why, but I, you know, the only fan club that interested me in the 70s was obviously the Dennis the Menace fan club because I really wanted wanted a hairy badge. 
But um, oh, I've got one oh, of them somewhere. Good on, good on you. Yeah, you had to wait six fucking weeks. When you're that age, that's fucking oh, ages. God. Six weeks. You might not be into Dennis the Menace by that time. You might have gone off it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, you might have progressed. <laughs> yeah. Inside the paper, well, Michael Watts finds himself at the Academy of Music in New York to see how Slade are getting on in their latest attempt to break America. He finds that the natives are a bit confused at the sight of a tramp from the future telling them to stand up and start clapping or else they'll get a boot up their arses, <laughs> but are more receptive to the band than they were last year. What sees Slade as a potential beachhead for the likes of Gary Glitter and Sweet, but wonders if the gulf between Britain and America is too wide now. Meanwhile... On the West Coast, Nazareth are having a go at cracking America by dint of supporting Rare Earth and Fleetwood Mac. And Chris Charlesworth gets to hear them talk about being bemused by 15-year-old girls who are collecting articles of clothing off Led Zeppelin and playing cover versions of Joni Mitchell songs at actual Joni Mitchell. Back in New York, David Milton has tracked down Bobby Pickett, whose 1962 single Monster Mash has risen from the grave and is currently at number five in the UK charts. Yes. He's currently working as a cabaret and in a folk duo with his wife at night and is gobsmacked to learn it's finally made the UK chart as it was banned by the BBC for being too morbid 11 (laughs) years ago. It's like the Marilyn Manson of its day. Oh, we can't mention it. Yes. Yeah. He announces plans to put together a Crip Kicker 5 review and re-record the Monster Mash LP as the original masters have been lost. Fucking hell. Jeff Brown sits down with Joyce Vincent and Telma Hopkins of Dawn, who are still in London after appearing on the 500th Top of the Pops, and learns that when they had a massive American hit with not three times but didn't want to tour, there were no less than 14 different bogus dawns operating in America. Wow. And when they played a gig in Spain, a lad asked him to sign his copy of Not Three Times, which had a photo of four blokes on it. (laughs) They talk about working with Alice Cooper, Isaac Hayes and Dionne Warwick, and how they like it when 12-year-old boys ask them for a kiss and then go all red and run off. (laughs) Back in LA, Chris Charlesworth links up with Ray Manzarek of The Doors, who have just split up. He says the end came when they were in London, trying to find a new fourth member, and they all finally realised that they couldn't replace Jim Morrison. He talks about his new solo project, an LP about his seven years with The Doors, but points out that The Doors still have three more albums left on their Electra contract. Our old Ian Asprey at this time. <laughs> wolf cub. Yeah, yeah. He was suckling at his wolfy mother's teeth at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Partridge gives a potted history of the events leading up to the launch of commercial radio in the UK and points out that between the end of the Pirates and the birth of Radio 1, seven million people stopped listening to radio. And he wonders if Capital Radio and the like can tempt those missing listeners back. In a rundown of every station available to UK listeners at the moment, he contends that the American Forces Network is the best, as it's the only taste of genuine American radio we have. And they get to letter C in their rock giants from A to Z centre spread feature and cover Eric Clapton and Creedence Clearwater Revival. But I couldn't be asked to read them. (laughs) Single reviews. 
Chris Welch is in the chair this week, and his single of the week is Sorrow by David Bowie. A remarkable performance in this old Mersey's hit, he proclaims. His voice is charged with emotion and tinged with madness. Terrific stuff and proof that David has tremendous powers lurking behind that sparse frame. (laughs) Despite the country overtones of the Carpenters' new single, Top of the World, Welch can't help but like it. Karen Carpenter has a beautiful voice and it's difficult not to like the sound they make even though they are middle class and rich. Not one of their best songs, but it'll probably do well. Although Earth, Wind and Fire sound like, quote, a night in one of those curry houses north of Oxford Street, Welch is intrigued by the ringing vibraphones and intelligent, sophisticated vocals on their latest single, Evil. They sound like an extremely interesting, worthwhile band. Uh, hold on, hold on. A night in one of those curry houses north of Oxford... What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Something to Chris Welsh, obviously. Mm. However... It's a coat down for Tight Rope by Richie Havens. Never been a fan. I remember seeing Havens at the Blind Faith concert at Hyde Park and thinking, there's a Duff singer, even while the hordes clapped. He may be a sincere, talented performer, but at the risk of incurring abusive mail and even the tight-lipped wrath of fellow rock writers, I shall bellow to the world... Dollsville, whenever the subject of Havens is broached. It's a meaty thumbs up for You've Got My Soul on Fire by Edwin Starr, an exciting piece of spine-tingling uproar, faint praise for sweet understanding love by the Four Tops, and approval of James Brown going back to a bit of balladry with Woman, Part 1. In the LP review section, the lead review is given over to Berlin, the third solo LP by Lou Reed, but Michael Watts puts Das Boot in. (laughs) Along with Bob Dylan, Lou Reed, of all the important figures of the 60s, has been most ill-treated by the passing of time. While the former has lost contact with the 70s, the latter has been cut adrift from the significant body of his own work and is left to thrash around, casting about for a helping hand to set his course straight. Meanwhile, Michael Oldfield froths at the mouth over We're an American Band by Grand Funk. Forget everything you've read or heard about Grand Funk. This is one hell of a great album. The last vestiges of heavy metal music have finally been cast out. This is pure rock. (laughs) Jeff Brown cops an earful of Inside Out, the new release by John Martin, and reckons it's dead good. John Martin's long stopped being a folk singer. He's, well, I'd say he's a jazz singer now, if you want to categorise. Caravan's fifth LP, For Girls Who Grow Plump in the Night... Jesus. Sees the band moving in some interesting new directions, according to Steve Lake. A chart album, I hope. The band deserve a break. But it's a coat down for Los Cachinos by Cheech and Chong. One of the main problems is that nothing the pair say is particularly funny or interesting, claims Chris Welch. A surfeit of mans renders the conversations tedious to the extreme. (laughs) 
And an unnamed reviewer describes Liberace as Gary Glitter's dad in a brief review of his new LP, <laughs> The Sound of Love. I noticed in that Lou Reed review that um, the term punk rock is used about Lou Reed, which mm. is really interesting, I think. In 1973, yes. it seems yes. very early to be mm. uh, using that, that phrase. Um, yeah. But I, I looked into it, and apparently the phrase has been kicking around since 1970. Yeah. Um, one of the fugs used it in, in an American magazine. So, right. but yeah, it's just odd sort of picking up a, a British paper from that era and they're just throwing around the term punk rock quite freely mm. when what we think of as punk rock with a capital PR um, just doesn't even exist yet. In the gig guide, David could have seen Man at the Rainbow, Bitch at Ronnie Scott's, Ray Charles, Count Basie and Oscar Peterson at the Hammersmith Odeon, Status Quo at the Rainbow, the Detroit Emeralds at Mr. B's in Peckham, or Up With People for two nights at the Royal Albert Hall, but probably didn't. Taylor could have seen Jimmy Ruffin at La Dolce Vita, Lindis Farm at the Birmingham Town Hall, or Tiny Tim at La Dolce Vita. Neil could have seen John Martin at Warwick University, Thin Lizzet at Lanchester Poly, or gone to Wolverhampton to see Cliff Richard at the Gaumont, or nipped over to Kenilworth to check out Bobby Crush at the Chesford Lion Hotel. What a week. Yes. I would have loved to see Martin and Lizzie at the Lanch. The Lanch mm. is a, such a notorious venue in Cough. Don't forget the Lanchester Poly is where Chuck Berry recorded My Dingling. <laughs> Sarah could have seen Limmy and Family Cooking at the Doncaster Top Rank Suite, Marty Wilde at the Fiesta Club in Sheffield, or 10 years after at York University. Al could have seen Horse Lips at Nottingham University, Fantastics at the Grey Topper, or gone to Leicester to see the final ever gig of Family at Leicester Polytechnic. And Simon could have seen Greenslade at the Memorial Hall in Barre. Fucking hell, on your own doorstep, Simon. I've actually performed in that venue. Oh, doing what? As a child, my mum joined the Barry Arts Centre local Amdram group and I got roped into, I think, two performances. In one of them, um, they wrote a role for me as the young Scrooge in Christmas (laughs) 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 in a Christmas carol and in the other one, I'm whatever the boy's called in um, Treasure Island. So, um, you know... Oh, Jim lad! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was was sat on... um, this kind of metal treasure chest that I've still got, actually, to this day. Wow! I, I was allowed wow. to keep it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I've, I've performed at the Memorial Hall along with uh, Greenslade, the prog rock band, who I don't actually know their stuff, but there we go. <laughs> it's really rare for gigs to happen in Barry. Um, yeah. So much so that um, in the noughties, I think about 2007 or something, Super Fury Animals played there, and um, I went back to Barry to to review it just because it was such a big deal a band actually mm. playing in the town Gallagher and yeah. Lyle at Glamorgan Polytechnic and Al Stewart at Aberystwyth University I just say it must be really difficult for you to pull this gig guy bit together Al because I don't know if you noticed well obviously you noticed yes. the listings right get this Neil the listings mm. were artist first rather than location first yeah what so, yeah 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 so you'd have like Tuesday and then it'd be like an alphabetical list of artists and then you've got to sort of go through and see if they're playing in your town rather than the town first fucking took That's fucking crazy. ages to do that bit. mental well yeah. and, and i i was scanning through it myself and yes something jumped out at me which i'm going to get into now if you don't mind this no, is this is amazing this is amazing there's because uh, it's a welsh band um 
There's a band playing Club Rex in Bogner called Ingroville. That's spelled I-N-G-R-O-V-I-L-L-E. And there's a little bit... Normally the listing is just a listing, but sometimes they have a little footnote underneath. Mm. This one it says... When they need to fill space. Yeah, yeah. So this one it says, right, Welsh band Ingroville are well into a two-month tour. To replace nude dancer Delia, the band (laughs) is shortly to hire the services of a mass hypnotist. (laughs) <laughs> so obviously when when i read this i i'd never heard of ingroville but of course now i want to know everything about them so yeah uh, i i've done a bit of research they're, they're from panath which is um just down the road from barry's between barry and cardiff little sleepy seaside town um and i found there's not a lot out there but there's one thing i found there's a photo of them yes. very much putting the glam into glamorgan um yes. <laughs> looking very very roxy music um and uh, John Ingroville, aka Ingi, after whom they were named, is wearing an amazing feather coat in the in the photo. Um, mm. Sadly, I've learned that uh, drummer Dave Bush, uh, who's wearing a fantastic tiger print jacket in that photo, mm. passed away from COVID recently in a care oh. home. So, uh, yeah, our condolences to his family. And the um, bloke in the middle has got a right fucking packet on him, hasn't he? Uh, it's proper <laughs> armadillo down the trousers job. Yeah, is that is that? And what's Mike? he doing? It's like a ball. It's like he's got one of them rubber dog balls and just shoved it down it's 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 very <laughs> it much makes him look like he's just got a, a massive bollock yeah it, it's it's really odd I, I do think there's probably a bit of uh you know Derek smalls in spinal tap the old cucumber down mm. the track although it's more of a butternut squash kind of shape really that's going <laughs> yes. on there um i think i might have seen him play live right because Ooh. uh it, this is Mike. Is it Mike Lloyd Jones? I think the guy, yes. the guitarist, um, because he joined a band called Madassa Soul Band, who were always playing the pubs in Barry. Um, right. And, and t- uh, to connect it all back to chart music, um, he had a stint in Shaking Stephen's Sunsets, yes. who, who Ingroville had actually Shaking Stephen's reference. Yeah, yeah. In this episode who uh, Ingroville had actually supported in Amsterdam. So uh, he ended up playing heterosexual rock and roll with his big packet. You know, yeah. um, Steve Parr from the <laughs> heterosexual band heterosexual glam. Yeah. Steve Parr from the band went on to run a successful studio in London. Um, Adrian Angove, the bassist, there's a few interesting things here. He used to wear red platform boots that were given to him by a Soho stripper he used to be at school with. Um, and um, and later on, to again bringing this back to chart music, favourite subjects, uh, for a while he played with the old sailor. Oh! Yeah. Um, circle wow. of pop and uh, on. Delia, the nude dancer who they were replacing with a hypnotist, uh, was the girlfriend of Adrian Angove, or the ex-girlfriend, so it's possibly why they had to get a hypnotist instead of a nude dancer. <laughs> She's probably like, fuck this, halfway through the tour, you know. Yeah. She's, you know, this kind of sub substatia. You will forget about your stripper ex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you will buy an Ingroville t-shirt after the concert. <laughs> So obviously they were doing a kind of Stacia from Hawkwind thing by having ah. a new dancer. This led to uh, to NME doing a piece about them with the headline "Rude Rock in the Valleys," <laughs> <laughs> even though even though Panath is not the Valleys. But anyway, and some other things I found out about Ingroville, who I'm I'm totally obsessed with. I've never heard a note of their music. This is just you know I'll probably get over it in a couple of days. But right now they're my favourite <laughs> band in the world. I've never heard anything by them. Uh, they were once booked. They're the new Panties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
they <laughs> they were once booked to headline over Susie Quattro, but Susie Quattro that week suddenly had a number one, so the bill yeah. got flipped and reversed. Uh, they they headlined over Average White Band and they supported Love Sculpture and the Straubs and the Sweet on tour. Oh, imagine that! Fuck. And supposedly, right, this is the sort of sad ending to it. Ingroville were just about to sign a four album deal with Polydor, but their management company went bust, leading to their van and all their gear being repossessed outside Samantha's oh, discotheque in Swansea. Man. So their final gig, Samantha's Disco in Swansea, and then all their gear gets snatched by the man. Oh. So there we go. That's the fascinating story of Ingroville, my latest obsession. That bonus <laughs> content. We don't just do chart nonsense, you know. So if anyone out there is related to him, or even is a member of Ingroville and has any of their records, I don't think they made any, but anything at all, please get in touch with me mm. via the usual channels, because yeah. I am obsessed. And if you meet one of them, Simon, when all this is over you've got to give them your welsh music award yes you got <laughs> underhandedly from david that's right that's right stick it to the fucking man simon listen right one day i ought to write a book about welsh music yeah. and there's going to be a chapter on yeah, these yeah. guys yes. it's fucking brilliant yeah yeah in the letters page Ooh, well fucking hell. the 1973 melody maker poll came out last week and the readership is understandably pleased with itself about the results <laughs> what a fantastically refreshing experience you're Paul turned out to be, writes Paul Mansfield of Southend-on-Sea. It is good to see great artists such as Boe, Maggie Bell, yes, Floyd, ELP and Lou Reed topping the poll. There is no sign at all of Donny and the Osmonds, David Cassidy, Slade, etc. And that shows that adult-minded people who enjoy good music like reading a great paper. <laughs> I was overjoyed to see Lindsay DePaul take fourth place for best female singer in the British section of the Melody Maker Pop Poll, gushes S. Bramhold of Doncaster. Lindsay is a female Gilbert O'Sullivan. <laughs> if only she could get the same recognition. Oh, imagine a female Gilbert O'Sullivan. That good, eh? Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan's latest LP. The soundtrack to Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid has been universally panned, but Caroline Southern of Stanmore Middlesex is not having it. In a star letter entitled, Lay Off Dylan, He's Still the Best. That hard rain never seems to stop falling on Bob Dylan, does it? So what's the matter now, old Dylan followers? It must be pretty clear by now his music is in a constant state of progression. So let's get up and stop being prejudiced and hard done by. <laughs> Buy his records, you bastards! D. Garside of Lytham St. Anne's went to see the Moody Blues in Preston and was unimpressed about how loud they were. I cannot understand why a group of such talented musicians should have to hide behind a wall of sound to put their act over. What promised to be an evening to remember turned into a night of sheer disappointment. Oh man, Moody Blues, you're too heavy. <laughs> West Coast and hard rock music must be stopped, screams Andrew Davis of Penarth. It is choking the truly musical efforts of bands such as Green Slade, Gentle Giant, Tempest, Stackridge and Good Habit. Penarth, home of Ingroville, and they didn't even mention Ingroville in that rundown. Shame. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. These British bands truly deserve success, and people are ignoring them for the lesser hype freakies. <laughs> freakies. 
there's some rare praise for the BBC from John Avery of Ramsgate. How pleased I was to see that the old grey whistle test actually devoted a good 40 minutes to the brilliant reggae festival in Edinburgh. Now come on, Tony Blackburn, Noel Edmonds and others, play some of the most popular music in England. Here, here, sir. Have you seen that, Al? Yes, it's fucking mint, it's br- isn't it? Have you seen it, Neil? Yeah, I have, yeah. It's fucking incredible. I mean, to the listeners, if nothing else, find it and skim through to Nicky Thomas doing Is It Because I'm Black? Like like a yes. man possessed. It's phenomenal. Mm, the footage, yes. really sharp lovely sort of cinema quality footage of yeah. early 70s reggae artists in their prime. It's just amazing. Paul Bonzer of Billericay gets upset that a course at the Basildon Evening Institute on the history of jazz was cancelled after only seven people enrolled for it. <laughs> S. Gallico of Fulham begs Mutter Slater and Billy Sparkle to change their mind and return to Stackridge. And Peter Stead is dead happy that Don McLean is about to tour the UK as he's one of the few musicians who really cares about his fans in Britain while our own singers are too busy (laughs) making their fortunes in the States to bother about us and Keith Perry of Birmingham was disgusted by the cover of the previous issue did you really have to put that appalling photograph of Wayne County on the front of Melody Maker last week? Okay, we know these people exist, but let's just hope that in the name of legitimate rock, that they slash it die a natural death. Don't publicise it. Suppress it. <laughs> fuck off. Oh, yeah, fuck fuck just, off. Just wait another three or four years, Keith. You know what, right? This this kind of transphobia sadly proves that people like Suzanne Moore, Julie Burchill, Graham Linehan, J.K. Rowling, nothing new, you know. And um, mm. and by the way, um, Wayne, now Jane County, is still alive. So all this business, let's hope that they slash it die a natural death. Mm. Fuck you, Keith Perry, if you haven't already died a natural death. I have though just yeah. discovered a, a, I'm a bit bored of using lad rock as a subricator to slag off Oasis I think I'm going to start calling them legitimate rock from now on <laughs> can you believe that that letter though these people yeah. that, that should have been in italics I think yeah. we know these people exist fuck's sake I mean, I guess it was the early yeah. 70s, but... Mm. I looked all over for the cover of that Melody Maker. I can't find it anywhere. I've actually seen the photo that Keith Perry's on about. Oh, what's he do- What's Wayne County doing? Um, it's a live shot of Wayne wearing stockings and suspenders and hot pants and a pearl necklace. Pause for laughter there. Um, and a massive blonde wig. And I'm going to play it safe and go with she as the pronoun because I don't want to misgender anyone. She's grabbing her tits and doing a pantomime grimace. And mm. uh, the story to go with it is that Wayne mm. has signed to Tony DeFries' company main man who also look after David Bowie and Iggy Pop and it's a brilliant picture Keith wants legitimate rock well it's probably the most rock and roll thing that have been on the front of Melody Maker all year yeah it's a fantastic cover and a fantastic photo and of course uh, Wayne County and the Electric Chairs later released a classic punk single called Fuck Off so in honour of that fuck off Keith Perry mm. that word legitimate rock it really does remind me of Bob Harris saying mock rock at the end of that New York Dolls doing Jet Boy yes. it's exactly the same mock rock yeah exactly oh and in the musicians wanted section of melody maker this week is this advert major recording label artist sparks require drummer must be an exciting inventive drummer with a really good face that isn't covered with a beard oh god i love them so much previous applicants need not apply 
bring sticks only. <laughs> that is so it's so brilliant and it's so them, right? Um, yeah. There's yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a story about them around this time because of, of course what what had happened was that uh, uh, things weren't working out for them in LA, but they got quite a lot of traction when they visited the UK. Um, they'd mm. done a residency at the Marquee and they'd been on Whistle Test and they, you know they've started to make inroads over here. So they decamped. They sacked their band and decamped to Britain to pick up a new band. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, th- there's that drummer ad. And there's this amazing story that uh, that their, their new guitarist, during their first sort of uh, practice session, got his cigarette and stuck it on the end of a guitar string in that kind of rock and roll way. And they just yeah. told him, no, 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 uh, we're, not, we're not that sort of band. <laughs> we don't do that sort of thing. As we speak, of course, there is um, a documentary about Sparks coming out. Um, called the Sparks yes. Brothers, made by Edgar Wright of Hot Furs, um, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Baby Driver fame. Mm. I've seen it. I had a sneak preview because I, I did a bit of work on the production Ooh. notes for the film. And oh god, oh, it's um, yeah, it's amazing. It's I mean, I think we're all Sparks admirers on this on this pod um, today, and yes. uh, it's it's quite emotional because. Uh, you know the whole thing with Sparks is that everybody who's into them feels aggrieved that they're not bigger than they are. They're one of these bands you get quite yeah. evangelical yeah, yeah. about, like you know you sort of. And if if you meet somebody at a party who's a Sparks fan, that's it. It's the two of you in a corner talking yeah. about Sparks all night. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that, but in film form. It's just basically saying, "Look, oh, here you go. Here's your beginner's guide to Sparks." And it's just got amazing footage of just, you know, just archive stuff that I've never seen before. Um, and just these guys now, Ron and Russell in their 70s, and the, this beautiful understanding they have. And it's quite, it's yeah, it is it is quite, quite, quite moving. And so uh, I don't know when it's getting a sort of, when it's going to be on Netflix or God knows. But seriously, everybody look out for that, the Sparks Brothers. 80 pages, 8p. I never knew there was so much in it. And there was so much in this issue, wasn't there, Simon? It's fucking dense as fuck. It really is, yeah. Um, I mean, I just got so engrossed in reading this. Even little things like being a bit of a music journalism nerd, the staff list, right, the yeah. list of, of people on it, some of, some of the names you mentioned already, but Ray Coleman, the editor, um, you know, sort of mm. uh, you know, sort of legendary music maker editor, some famous staffers, including Chris Welch, you've mentioned, and Max Jones still hanging on in there. The chief photographer was Barry Wendt, and um, his photos were the basis of that pretty terrible Melody Maker documentary that came out last year and, and right, seemed right. to think that nothing of any interest happened after 1980. Um, they had, here's the thing that got me, and it just makes anybody of my generation and Neil's generation weep. They had 10 American correspondents, right? Um, including, <sighs> and most of these people were British, including Chris Charlesworth as the Los Angeles correspondent. What a sweet job that must have been. Mm, there, there was oh, even yes. a Montreal correspondent. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of retainer oh. they were. They probably didn't do anything. They just sat there on a lovely little retainer, and they probably didn't have to do much to earn it. But yeah, just really, mm. really so much in here. Um, Obviously, Melody Maker in the 70s was um, still very much a muso paper, so there's a lot of jazz. Mm, it's very B2B, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And and, and you realise, right, how many legends of jazz particularly were still alive. I mean, Duke mm. Ellington was still hanging on just about. He had a new record out. That's yeah, yeah. There. There's an item in the small print about a Charlie Parker tribute concert featuring... 
Dizzy Gillespie, who would have been just Whoa, only yeah. 55 at the time. This might have been the show, uh, the Charlie Parker tribute, where an audience member converted Dizzy Gillespie to the Baha'i faith, All right. which which he couldn't stop Whoa. banging on about for the rest of his, his life. But <laughs> yeah, apparently it was, it was after Charlie Parker died at a concert that Dizzy Gillespie was harassed by a, or harangued by a fan who sort of... Uh, bent his mind towards that faith Mm. there's this whole thing when you're flicking through an old paper of songs that we consider iconic just being brand new just like a new record coming out so you've got and there's quite a variety like i love you love me love by gary glitter is about to come out Mm. there's a there's a um, an advert a little sort of column advert down the side for virgin records and it's got a little flash across it genesis selling england by the pound for one pound (laughs) eighty five So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's an advert for Cockney Rebel Sebastian, which has got the strap line, some singles are too good to make it, some singles are too good not to make it. <laughs> what, like, what, whatever the... F- I don't know how, how, how you're meant to kind of pass that. I think may- maybe the thing I, I get the most out of um, is just going through the small ads in the back. Mm, mm. There are these... Yeah. It, obviously, like, you look at the clothes ads and it's all bell-bottoms and what have you, but there are a lot of sew-on yes. patches, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, sew-on patches... <laughs> of things like kiss my and it's got a picture of a donkey like ass right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's when it says sex breakfast of champions <laughs> <laughs> there's another one right national sex appeal fund volunteer give all you can yeah um, there's another one it's got a, pe- a picture of Tweety Pie the cartoon bird and it says even I like a little pussy Oh, right. Sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one with with um with with a superhero with a chicken under their cape, and it just says super, super cock. cock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 the the disco scene, as in the mobile disco or the discotheque scene, was obviously thriving. Um, yeah. in the ads for equipment and stuff, there's an advert for something called the Van Morrison Eagle Eyed Rainbow Roadshow. Fuck. What the fuck? What? Presumably, presumably not the Van Morrison, because Jesus Christ, imagine him. <laughs> trying to rock a party. <laughs> there, there's another one under situations vacant. That, uh, oh, sorry, situations wanted that just says female DJs available now. Like nothing about what music they play, <laughs> mm-hmm. or just female DJs because that that in itself was somehow a novelty. Oh, that, that, right, there was an advert around this time for Mars bars with the, the disco birds. Maybe it's them. Really? Yeah, they, they go right, round yeah, in a yeah. minute and uh, do discos and really get the party started and then they go off and do something else with their boyfriends like I don't know water skiing or something (laughs) Uh, but they're eating Mars bars along the way and in in the in the gig ads, there's just a little uh, little one says, uh, "Citizen Kane apologise for not appearing at the North Pole last Sunday." <laughs> uh, what? I mean, obviously, with with our sensible heads on, we have to assume that that's the name of a pub or something. But yeah, a bit of an odd one. And and it's just um, just how rich and packed with stuff mm. these old papers are. Mm. I mean, there was there was this tiny review of an album by an obscure prog band called. Public Foot the Roman. That was their name, right? <laughs> and I, I, I listened to that earlier due to the, the magic of, of, of the internet, you know. Um, yeah. And it's got quite a groove going on. You can, basically, you, you, you can investigate things instantly now. So the combination, yeah. it's this amazing combination of the old and the new. The old, the mm. music paper, and the new. 
the internet, the ability to go and find things. And it's just a lovely, perfect sort of combo. And I, I, I would say just in general, if if you're a music lover and, you know, if you aren't, then I don't know why you're even here unless it's for the, <laughs> the swearing and, and the stories of Bermadog. Sexy not in a yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then really just treat yourself to a second-hand copy of Anne Old's yeah. music paper. Yeah. And just, just lose yourself in it because it's like wandering into a field where the ground is completely perforated with rabbit holes, you know? It's amazing. My, my music teacher at school, um, my secondary school, there was just a big pile of old Melody Makers in one of the cupboards, you know, from oh. the early 70s. And he just let me have them. And, and um, yeah, you just get lost just looking at loon pants, to be honest with you. And, you know, yeah. all the keep on trucking patches and stuff. But they, yeah, yes. they really are truly, unlike a, a, a current retrospective look back at 73, it puts you there. It puts you right in yes, the mindset yeah. and the feel of the times. Um, so, yeah, highly recommended. Delude yourself in as much of that stuff as you can find. So, what else was on telly today? Well, BBC One start the day at 9.41 with three and a half hours of schools and colleges programmes before nipping over to Wentworth, sadly not the Australian women's prison, <laughs> for the 10th Piccadilly World Match Play Championship. After five minutes of news... It's Pebble Mill at one, then Chigler, then Scene, a school's programme about the work and beliefs of a young female shop steward in the Transport and General Workers' Union. After that, there's an hour and a half of more golf. At 4pm, it's Play School, then Boris the Bold, Jack Honore, Blue Peter, John Craven's Newsrand, Wacky Racers and Crystal Tips and Alistair. After the news, it's Nationwide, where Bob Tibbenham arses about on the canals of Britain, and then Raymond Baxter, William Wallard and Michael Rod tantalises with Tomorrow's World. A moment for the name Michael Rod, please, everybody. Yeah, okay. You know how Taylor went on in a previous episode of Chart Music that if he had time travel, he'd bash the... uh, the very young B.A. Robertson on a sink. I think if I had time travel, I'd go back to a 1973 episode of Tomorrow's World and just tell them that it's all bollocks and they should stay where they are and and warn them that I come from a world where there's no top of the pops. BBC Two commences at 9.30 with live coverage of the second day of the Conservative Party conference from Blackpool. Breaking off after an hour and a half for play school before going back for another hour and a half (laughs) before closing down at 12.40. Then they reopen for another half an hour of red hot Tory action and then at one o'clock it's the (laughs) business series training for work. Then there's more Tory party conference, more golf and some open university before closing down from 10 to 6 until quarter past 6. They've just finished some more Open University and are about to show highlights from today's Tory stock. Fucking hell. I know. That's like the broadcasting schedule of a communist country or something. Yes. (laughs) Play school, though. I guess so, that little window of fun. Yeah. But but what shape is that window, Neil? Well, it's got (laughs) to be an arch, hasn't it? It's got to be. Yeah. ITV kicks off at 9.30 for an hour of schools programmes. Then it's half an hour from the Tory party conference hosted by Bill Grundy. Wow. Oh, my God. What a fucking rotter. Stopping free milk, that really turns us on. (laughs) 
After another hour of school's programmes, there's a five-minute thing called Christians at Large, where the Christians barge into a baby welfare clinic in Birmingham and bang on about Jesus or something. I don't know. They sing Harvest for the World and Forgotten Town. (laughs) Yeah, okay, sorry. Whatever. Then Mr Trimble takes some kids to see a model railway and reads a story about a tired old horse called Frederick. Then it's the witch's brew. First report, the proto-news at one. Then a blackmail trial in Crown Court. A ward gets infected in General Hospital. Then it's an hour and a half of racing from York, followed by a cartoon and lost in space. After the news and regional news in your area, it's the 2002nd episode of Crossroads. If you're from the ATV region, we got it first. (laughs) ATV, always ahead of the game. After that, it's the cartoon Wayward Pups, and they're currently 20 minutes into the film version of Columbo, where someone tries to murder a former world chess champion before his match with the current champ. Oh, my dad would be watching that shit. My dad loved Columbo. Me too. Come on, we all love Columbo, don't we? No, 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 not me. At the time, if it was American and murderer, I wasn't interested mm. because it's something my dad liked. You'd enjoy it now, Al. Watch the Johnny Cash episode. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right, then, Pop Craze Youngsters. I do believe that that is enough foreplay for now. So come and join us tomorrow and listen to us take this episode of Top of the Pops into every single orifice. Thank you very much, Neil Kukane. No worries. Tor Everso, Simon Price. You're welcome. My name's Al Needham, and I implore you to stay pop-crazed. Chart music. Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through it in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app and that. Friends with friends and we're on Twitter at friends WF.